Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hi there. I'm Randa Fattah from ThruLine. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org podcast. That's donate.kqed.org podcast. From KQED. Just a reminder here to all you democracy lovers out there that we at the Bay are starting a limited-run series all about democracy here in the Bay Area, how things get done, and where you can plug in. As part of that series, we'll have a weekly newsletter that you can subscribe to right now. Head over to our show notes, click on that link to sign up. The policies that get passed in California often set the tone around the country. That's why so many people were paying attention to Prop 22 and the fight over gig workers. So what happened this election? Well, Californians agreed with gig companies that drivers aren't employees. And this gives these companies a lot more power in shaping the future of labor, not just here, but around the country. I think they've gone from being super on the defense in California, and this victory has emboldened them and they're now on the offense. The Yes campaign spent more than $200 million on this ballot measure, and it paid off. Uber and Lyft stocks have gone way up and investors have already made billions. It's also paved the way for Uber and Lyft to spread their business model across the country. I'm Devin Kadiyama. welcome to the Bay. I'm Sasha Coca, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse Golden State. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey. That's where you go to Sunshine State. But we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, what's up? I'm Erica Cruz Guevara, the host of The Bay. Donations keep independent journalism alive and healthy. And you support outstanding journalism when you support KQED. So if you haven't yet, check out donate.kqed.org slash podcasts. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcasts with an S. California was on the verge of becoming the first state in the U.S. to force gig companies to classify their workers as employees. And they were weeks away from doing it. And then in the election, Prop 22 passed, and that shattered that chance. Sam Harnett is a Silicon Valley reporter for KQED. I think it was a shock that this was not close. I mean, the polling in the week leading up to this showed the yes aside ahead 46% to 42% on the no side. In the final election numbers... This thing passed by almost 60%. Almost 60% of voters in California voted yes on Prop 22.
what does California's vote on Prop 22 say about what people chose? Both sides of Prop 22 are making the same argument, that voting for Prop 22 or against Prop 22 was going to be good for workers. On one side, you had big tech. You had Uber, Lyft, Instacart, DoorDash, all these gig companies. And on the other side, you had organized labor and driver groups. And Californians decided to go with big tech. When you say go with big tech, I mean, I don't think people were, were voting to say, yes, I, I love Uber and Lyft and therefore I'm going to vote for them. So what do you think was, was there in either the campaign or the message that people were actually voting for? Yeah, it is really hard to understand why voters went for this, but let's just start with what we know. We know that the gig companies poured in more money to the, in this campaign than had ever been spent in a ballot initiative campaign ever, and they had unprecedented direct access to voters through their apps. I think that definitely had some sway. Um, they had a messaging that made their campaign seem to be about social justice and helping workers. Again, labor advocates would disagree with all of their points. Um, I think those messages were deployed very effectively and had an impression. And we also know that people in California like these services because they're cheap and efficient. And again, they're cheap and efficient because workers aren't getting benefits and protections and paid well. So I think it's fair to say that consumers were looking for uh, a, a way to continue using these services because they like them. So the campaign just had to convince voters, hey, you like these services, they are good, and we're going to make them a little better for workers. Don't worry, you can keep using them. And I think maybe the fourth tier is the workers on these platforms, a lot of them are really desperate for income. And I think that the fear campaign around losing these jobs was very effective. Gig companies have promised that Prop 22 will lead to more benefits for drivers. But the benefits they've announced have all kinds of strings attached, and they're way less comprehensive than regular employee benefits. In the end, the biggest winners of Prop 22 are the gig companies themselves, because they've beaten back regulations from state and local governments, possibly for good. Prop 22 is written in such a way that it is very, very, very difficult to overturn. You have to have a seven-eighths uh, vote in the legislature to make any amendment to the proposition, and then cities and counties can no longer create programs to give gig workers extra benefits. So both San Jose and San Francisco, they passed laws that extended the uh, coronavirus uh, sick leave program to gig workers. So the program no, before didn't apply to gig workers and the, and the cities passed these ordinances that extended it to gig workers. Now with Prop 22, they couldn't do that. No city or no, and no county could pass a law that made these companies give extra benefits to workers. So yeah, Proposition 22 just stands out, I think, in terms of its breadth. So I talked to Ray Fuentes, who's a fellow at the Partnership for Working Families, and he said that cities in California are basically laboratories for developing laws to protect workers. Uh, a progressive law will start in a city like San Francisco. You know, by voter initiative, they passed the first paid sick leave law in the country. And then at the state level, policymakers will point to that program and say, OK, you know, here's how that worked. Let's try to do that on the state level. And now San Francisco has become a model for the nation and then a model for the state in terms of um, implementing a paid sick leave law. 
So by making it so cities and counties could no longer add additional protections for gig workers, they stopped that whole pipeline. And that's what you'd lose by cutting off all these local governments' abilities to ensure you know, consumers are safe on, you know, when they're using these apps and that drivers are protected. This allows for the experimentation that um, you know, I think is so vital to our democracy to developing good policy. So, so what does this vote in California mean to the bigger national picture? Already, Uber and Lyft have said they want to replicate what they did in California nationally. And this has actually been a goal of theirs from the beginning. Ever since gig companies got started, they've been actually going around to state legislatures around the country and passing laws to make their gig sub-employee gig contractor uh, category legal. So in, in a bunch of uh, mostly red states in California, they've already gotten these laws in the books. They've wanted to get it done federally. And I think they've gone from being super on the defense in California, and this victory has emboldened them, and they're now on the offense. Jenny is now John Zimmer, co-founder and president of Lyft. John, fantastic to have you on the show. Just pouring over your earnings this morning. So John Zimmer, he went on CNN and said that they want to take Prop 22 and do a similar thing nationally. Yeah, this is a clear turning point in this discussion. Uh, yes, I believe it's a model for other states. And, and we're not closing any doors on, on who we talk to. We, we do want to talk to labor leaders. I respect them. I have been talking to them. Uh, and again, I think we can forge a path forward that is good for society uh, and good for the business. I mean, this is the nightmare for labor advocates, that these gig companies were going to convince everyone to get this sub-employee category of worker created, and then they would get federal laws passed to make it legal throughout the U.S., and then all other industries would start to take advantage of it. And so the first step has been done. I mean, they got Prop 22 passed in California, and now they're going to use that as a bargaining chip, and that's going to be at the federal level. They're they have a, a test case now. Say, so, okay, we're doing California, the super progressive liberal state. We should do it everywhere. We've talked a lot about Prop 22, and I think this was one of the biggest ballot measures that people in California were watching. But as we've talked about, like, I didn't know Prop 22 had such national implications as well. And hearing you talk about, you know, the federal government's role and, and other states being involved, I can't help to think that, you know, we have a new president-elect, Joe Biden. Uh, do we have any idea what what his administration or he thinks about big tech's role in society? Right. I mean, this is a really critical moment. Uh, the Biden-Harris campaign did come out publicly against Proposition 22. On their website, they've said that they want to give gig workers basic employee protections. But at the same time... There are a lot of people in the Biden transition team who come from the tech world or who come from the Obama administration and have expressed support of this sub-employee category. One name in particular comes to mind is Seth Harris. This was a, uh, the deputy secretary of labor under Obama. And Harris and Alan Kruger, who is Obama's chief economist, those two actually wrote the paper that put this sub-employee category uh, on the national stage. Like they wrote a paper in 2015 that was advocating for this sub-employee category uh, federally. And Seth Harris is on, and is on Biden's transition team. So a lot of labor folks are worried that Biden is going to link up with 
a lot of people from the tech industry and a lot of uh, ex people from the Obama administration and that they're going to adopt this sub-employee category. So Sam, we've talked about how much power these gig companies have. And I also know you wanted to talk about the language that they use when they talk about you know, their drivers and why that matters too. This is the, the, the whole nut of the issue. I mean, basically, Devin, when you go to the grocery store and you see an Instacart worker, or when you get into an Uber or Lyft and you see a driver, or when you see a DoorDash person you know, running up to a house with, with, to deliver food, what do you see? Uh, a person? <laughs> right. <laughs> Gig companies say you're seeing an entrepreneur. Gig companies are saying you're seeing a business owner. That that person, that Instacart shopper, that Uber driver, that DoorDash deliverer, that they're actually uh, an entrepreneur running their own business. This has been the pitch since the start of these gig companies. And you can see it in the language. Uber and Lyft... They called, again, they called their, their workers entrepreneurs, and then they called them driver partners. They didn't call them workers, they called them driver partners. And Uber actually just changed its, its official uh, uh, language for, for their workers, and now they call them earners, right? And now with this quote-unquote third way, this third worker category, the gig companies are calling it contractor plus, which is basically like, okay, they're, they're an independent contractor, but they have extra benefits. But really, it's a sub-employee category. What are you hearing from gig workers about Prop 22? A lot of the workers I talked to who wanted to be employees are workers who had had something happen to them on the job where they realized how little protection they had and how much they were at the mercy of these companies. All right, still there, Hector? Yeah. So I interviewed this one driver, Hector Castellanos. A couple years ago, uh, he got into an accident in uh, driving Lyft, messed up his shoulder. He had to get surgery. He couldn't drive for eight months. Him and his wife had just bought a house. His daughter uh, had to drop out of college, come home, and work. She was driving Lyft and, and working part-time to help them pay the bills. And uh, that was something that this really, you know, uh, it, it, it gets to my heart, like how it's possible they happen to me, you know, working so much with this company and they really don't care. And probably just one case, in, I don't know, in thousands of cases like me. And that's when he realized if I were an employee, I would have had workers' compensation. If I were an employee, I would have had unemployment insurance, but he didn't have any of that. So I decide, like, you know, I'm going to fight for this. I'm going to fight. So when the AB5 passes, I was so happy, like, oh, my God, finally something good, something new is going to change everything. And uh, so we got the answer on Prop 22. <laughs> so drivers like him, you know, they're super upset, but they aren't surprised. Because for eight years, these gig companies have succeeded in classifying workers as contractors. And there has been fight after fight after fight. And these companies have continually won. So in some way, it's like, well, yeah. What does all this mean for the future of work in the Bay Area, a place that's really expensive to, to live? So... Most 
gig work is done by people of color. Like a majority of the work done on these platforms is done by people of color. Now in law, there is a sub-employee category that prevents them from getting basic employee benefits. I think this is just going to further the income inequality and the class divide in the Bay Area and California. Sam says union leaders and labor advocates have been pretty quiet since the election, in part because they're thinking about their next moves. But he says it's likely there will be lawsuits challenging what might come out of Prop 22. Thanks to Sam Harnett, Silicon Valley reporter for KQED. If you missed our series with Sam on the history of labor that explains the fight over regulations that are going on now, then we'll leave you a link in our show notes. This episode of The Bay was produced by Erica Cruz Guevara, Kiana Mogadam, myself, and our editor, Alan Montecilio. We're made by your local public media station, KQED. The Bay is local news to keep you rooted. I'm Devin Kadiyama. That's it from us. Talk to you next time. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable human centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. 